Every religion and every church and every teacher has its core teachings. The Bible teaches us that a religion or a church or a teacher is only as good, only as healthy as its doctrine. Doctrine is the lifeblood of the church. Healthy doctrine makes for a healthy church. Diseased doctrine makes for a diseased church. Our sermon text this morning is going to speak to us about the importance of sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. So, please take your copy of God's Word, turn to Titus chapter 2. We're only going to be looking at two verses today. This is our fourth study in the short letter from Paul to Titus. Our text this morning is Titus 1 and verse 15, which is the beginning and the end of a pericope that we will look at over the next several weeks. This morning I wanted to look at the beginning and the end of this pericope because it emphasizes the same thing, the importance of sound doctrine. If you're using one of the black Bibles on the floor near you, it's on page 998. Titus chapter 2, verse 1, as we study uh, this particular text this morning, here's my prayer. My prayer is that we as a church and you as an a member of our church, or as a Christian, will live out the faith according to sound doctrine. Titus 2, verse 1. This is God's word to us. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Then look at verse 2. Older men are to be, verse 3, older women are to be, verse 6, likewise urge the younger men to be, verse 7, Titus, show yourself in all respects to be, verse 9, bondservants are to be, verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Verse 15, declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So that section of this letter, verse 1 through verse 15, begins and ends with the same emphasis. 
Verse 1, Titus, as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Then it ends with, verse 15, declare these things. Declare what accords with sound doctrine. Exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you. So Paul's exhortation to Titus is going to teach us five lessons about the importance of sound doctrine. This is for our church. This is for every member of our church, every member of the church of Jesus Christ from Canada to North Carolina and everywhere else in the world. Five lessons about the importance of sound doctrine. Time out. How important is doctrine to you? I can remember a time in my life, even a time in my ministry, when I didn't want to hear about doctrine. I thought doctrine was kind of a waste of time. Like, I just want the practical stuff. Just tell me how to live. Listen, you tell me about your doctrine, I'll show you my life. Sort of a, you know, an arrogant thing. Friends, a life is only as sound, healthy, and good as the doctrine that it comes from. This church is only as solid as our doctrine. And that goes for everyone in this room. So lesson number one, we're just going to walk right through this text in order. Lesson number one that we learn from this text is that sound doctrine is the difference between true and false religion. That's right there at the beginning of verse one. Look at it. But as for you. Do you see that but? It's a contrast. Because right before it, if you'll just look up to the next paragraph, in chapter 1, verse 10, Paul tells Timothy, uh, pardon me, Paul tells Titus that on the island of Crete, they have one big problem. False teachers. You see that in verse 10? There are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Because of these false teachers, Paul tells Titus, verse 1, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Because that's the difference between false religion and true religion. False teachers and true teachers. False Christians and true Christians. Every false religion sounds right to begin with. Otherwise, it would never be received by anyone. False teachers are often well-respected, very spiritual sometimes the most godly people in the church. How do we know the difference between false religion and true religion? False teachers and true teachers. Sometimes it's hard to know. The difference is here. It's in doctrine. 
The difference between true and false religion is not what you grew up with. It's not what appeals to you and doesn't appeal to you. It's not which religion has more followers or is the most popular. The difference between true and false religion is doctrine. It's what they teach and it's what they believe. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two. Sound doctrine is remaining faithful to the word of God. Look there in verse one. But as for you, in contrast to the false teachers, Titus, you teach what accords with sound doctrine. Do you see that phrase? Underline it. What accords with sound doctrine? Notice, Paul does not tell Titus to teach sound doctrine. Do you see that? This is not the apostle telling his best man on Crete to have systematic theology classes. He doesn't tell Titus, teach sound doctrine. He says, teach what accords with sound doctrine. That means that everything that Titus teaches us must be congruent with or according to or in unity with something else. That something else is sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is the objective truth from which every teaching must come. It's the basis and the foundation for everything that Titus is supposed to teach. So the question is, what is this thing over here called sound doctrine? Well, the word doctrine might not be a a word that you use daily, but the word doctrine simply means, means teaching. It's imparting truth. Sound is the Greek word for healthy or whole or reliable. So when you put those two things together, it's a teaching that is whole and reliable and healthy. Sound doctrine is the body of teaching that is healthy and reliable. And when everything that you teach comes from that and is, what is the word? in accord with, then that means all the rest of your teaching is as healthy, reliable, and sound as the doctrine that it came from. So generally, this thing over here that we're calling sound doctrine is the word of God. Look at chapter 1, verse 9. Speaking about elders quality, a qualification characteristic of an elder in verse 9 is that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Do you see the pattern there? Sound doctrine comes from the trustworthy word, which is the word of God, not the word of man. So God has revealed to us 
His wisdom, His law, His ways. They're reliable, they're healthy, they're sound. And everything that Titus and the elders and this elder and your pastor teaches should be congruent with sound doctrine. Because all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. What else is there that makes the man of God complete and equipped for every good work? There is only one thing, and it's the word of God. Sound doctrine is God's revelation of who he is, who we are, and how we're to live. Sound doctrine, this healthy and whole, reliable truth, is sort of like a fence that a father erects in his yard so that his kids can have the freedom to play without fear of injury. God has given us his word, not to fence us in from all the good things out there, but to fence us in so that we have the freedom to live as God intended us to live, which means that now we have the truth that sets us free and it keeps us from injury and danger of deception that leads to destruction. So generally, sound doctrine is the word of God, but here, the Apostle Paul uses it more specifically. So rather than just being general, When the Apostle Paul talks about sound doctrine, he has in mind something more narrow, something more specific, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just the word of God about all things, but it is the word of God, which is good news about how God gives grace to sinners through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. I want to prove that to you just from this little look, little letter. Look at chapter 1, verse 3 of Titus. In verse 3, Paul says, I have been entrusted with the preaching by the command of God our Savior. When he talks about sound doctrine, he's talking about what he's been entrusted with that he is to preach by the command of God, our Savior. He talks about this also in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 1, 10. He says, Timothy, be on guard for whatever is contrary to sound doctrine. Then he defines it. What's sound doctrine according to the Apostle Paul? The gospel of the glory of of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Sound doctrine is the gospel of the blessed glory of God that I have been entrusted and now I'm delivering to you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. If anyone teaches a different doctrine, so not a sound, healthy, whole, and reliable doctrine, but a different doctrine... 1 Timothy 6, 
How does he define different doctrine? You ready? That does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. Sound doctrine is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Friends, we have a big problem. We are law breakers in our thoughts, our words, our deeds. We break God's law and the penalty for sin is death. But God is so gracious and God loved us enough that he was not willing to leave us in our sin. In the fullness of time, God sent his son to bear the penalty that we deserve, to live the life that we could not live, die the death that we should have died, to forgive our sins, to give us eternal life. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that we, sinners, could be made righteous in him. That's the gospel. Have you received that gospel? How do you stand before God? Do you stand before God in your own good works, hoping that your good works outweigh your bad works? Or do you stand before God knowing one thing for sure? I am a sinner. And I have no hope before God. I deserve to be punished for my sin. But I also know this. That God made a way of salvation through Jesus alone. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to fix our sin problem. And that, my friends, is sound doctrine, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lesson number three, according to this text. Sound doctrine is the primary and multifaceted ministry of the elders. Yeah, I took some time on that. Sound doctrine is not only, number one, the difference between true and false religion. Number two, remaining faithful to the word of God. But according to this text, sound doctrine is the primary ministry of the elders. And more than just primary, it's the multifaceted ministry of those who shepherd God's flock. Look at chapter 2, verse 1 again. But as for you, what's the next word? Teach. But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. 
Titus's primary ministry on Crete was to teach sound doctrine. In chapter 1, verse 5, look back just a couple of paragraphs. Paul said, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Why? Because there are many who are upsetting whole families by their teaching. But as for you, you teach what accords with sound doctrine. So no matter what Titus thought he was supposed to be on Crete to do, his main ministry was teaching sound doctrine. And when the Apostle Paul said, go to every town and appoint elders, guess what their main ministry was? Teaching sound doctrine. Look again at chapter 1, verse 9. The elder must be an organizational genius. No. The elder must be creative and be able to come up with all kinds of activities for men, women, and children. No. The elder must uh, be a fantastic personality who's really, really good at preaching and a charismatic... No. Verse 9. The elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he might be able to teach, give instruction in sound doctrine, and also rebuke those who contradict it. Why? For there are many false teachers on that island. Sound doctrine is the primary and multifaceted ministry of every elder. Why do you say multifaceted? Because look at the end of this, verse 15. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke. So he starts off the paragraph by saying, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Then he ends it by emphasizing what he means by that. And what I mean by teach is, declare, (laughs) exhort, rebuke. Those are not just three words that all equal the same thing. That's a multifaceted pastoral ministry. That's how elders shepherd God's sheep with God's word by teaching and declaring and exhorting and by rebuking. Friends, this is what we need for our souls because we're often thinking false thoughts. That internal dialogue that we have going on is often full of false teaching. So we need one another and we need elders to do four things. First of all, teach. It's just the word for speak. And coming out of that contrast, he says, when they're hearing false doctrine out there, I want you to make sure to tell them true doctrine in here. Then in verse 15, declare it. Speak these things. He just gave a whole bunch of things there in verse 2 through 14, specifically verse 11 through 14, which is a beautiful articulation of the gospel. He says, I want you to declare that. That's your message right there. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the glorious gospel that Jesus saves and he's returning to set up his kingdom. Verse 11 through 14. That's what I want you to declare. And then he uses two more verbs. See there in verse 15, exhort and rebuke. The word exhort means to come alongside and encourage or urge. Do you ever need someone to come alongside of you and encourage you 
or urge you? I do. It's the ministry that elders are given and other places in the New Testament put that ministry right in the lap of every one of these members of this church. It's our one anothering ministry to each other to encourage and exhort one another. Not just with the, you can do it. But here's what God says and how God's grace enables us to do it. So teach, declare, exhort, and then you would expect there to be at least one negative note there, right? Because what are sheep good at? Getting out of line. And I'm the head of the class. Rebuke. That word means to expose and to correct error. And it's used a number of times in the book of Titus and in First and Second Timothy. In fact, a couple of different times in Titus, like verse 1, elders are supposed to rebuke. In, ver- in chapter 3, verse 10, they're supposed to warn and warn. But then they are supposed to, verse 13 of chapter 1, correct sharply those who are insubordinate. And really it's the, the temperature of the person's heart, the, the, the way that they are interacting with the rest of the, the church. Graciously correct and warn those who are just wrong and are willing to be taught. But sharp correction for those who are insubordinate and upsetting whole families. So this multifaceted ministry really is a good picture of what your pastors are supposed to be doing with God's word. Teaching what accords with sound doctrine. Counseling that accords with sound doctrine. Encouraging Christians to live according to sound doctrine. I I loved it. This week I got a phone call early in the morning from one of our members who just said, you know, I'm really starting the day off on a down note. You have an encouragement for me. So we began to explore why he was having a down day. And by God's grace, we both left that phone call encouraged because of God's word, sound doctrine. Some friends, that's one of the major things that we accomplish on every Sunday, every Lord's Day when we gather. The elders of local churches teach and declare, and encourage, and rebuke with God's word. Charles Bridges, in his famous book, Christian Ministry, said this, Preach Christ Jesus as Lord. Determine, pastor, to know nothing among your people but Christ crucified. Let his name and grace His spirit and love triumph in the midst of all your sermons. Let your great end be to glorify him in heart, to render him amiable and precious in the eyes, uh, pardon me, I lost my place, of his people, to lead them to him as a sanctuary to protect them, a propitiation to reconcile them, a treasure to enrich them, a physician to heal them, an advocate to present them and their service to God, a wisdom to counsel them, a righteousness to justify, a sanctification to renew, 
a redemption to save. Let Christ be the diamond to shine in the bosom of all your sermons. Amen, Charles Bridges. Amen. He goes on in that same chapter of the book to say this. Partial preaching will produce a luxuriant crop of partial believers to whom a large part of Scripture is useless. They will be full of notions, excited in their feelings, forward in their profession, but equally destitute of the root and the life and the fruit of that sound doctrine. Sound doctrine, it's the difference between true and false religion. It's remaining faithful to the word of God, specifically the gospel of Christ. Sound doctrine is the primary and multifaceted ministry of the elders, lesson number four. Titus, I want you to know something. Sound doctrine is going to be challenged. You see that in the text? Look at verse 15. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke. What are the next three words? With all authority. And oh, by the way, let no one disregard you. Now think about just what might have been happening. With all authority. Because here comes Titus. You're new here. Who do you think you are? Titus, like Timothy, probably young, I've been going to this church before you were ever born. And you think you're going to be one of our elders? Paul says, teach these things. Exhort with these things. Rebuke with these things with all authority and don't let anyone disregard you. Titus's doctrine and ministry was likely challenged by a number of people for a number of reasons on Crete. First and foremost, probably those false teachers, right? That's just your opinion. Oh, you're one of Paul's apostles. Well, I've heard some things about Paul. Challenged by those who maybe thought Titus was too young. That was an issue with Timothy. So Paul said the same thing to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 4, listen to this. Command and teach these things and let no one despise you for your youth, but set for the believers an example in speech and in conduct, in love and in faith, in purity. Don't let them despise you or disregard you just because you're young. You set an example. 
What you have is not just your life, but what you have been given, young Timothy, and probably young Titus, is the authoritative, apostolic gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach it. Declare it. Exhort with it. With all authority. Paul, for all time, and especially for that day and time, was letting anyone who read this letter know that Titus is my designated representative. You hear him, you hear me. You hear me, you hear Jesus. This is the authoritative gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've been entrusted with it. Now I'm giving it to faithful men like Timothy and Titus. And what's their job? Train faithful men who will train faithful men. And every pastor in the room knows that's one of our greatest joys in life is training faithful men and women with the gospel so that we can disseminate that pure and authoritative gospel of Jesus. You know, I want to suggest one more that is really important to me and you. Sound doctrine is going to be challenged. It's going to be challenged by anyone and everyone who wants to hear a more palatable option. Because frankly, it might be sound, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. Last week we talked about the exclusivity of the gospel. And when our culture hears about anything that is exclusive, then they immediately want to label it intolerant and hateful. Paul warned about this too. He said, I charge you, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but they'll have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Sound doctrine is going to be challenged from every church and from every Christian. You probably feel that in your conversations with your neighbors and coworkers, don't you? Friend, you have the same authority when you open up God's word and clearly articulate God's word. Yeah, whatever the whatever the challenge, whether it's by false teachers or people who think Titus was too young or by people wanting a more tolerant, palatable option. Whatever the challenge, Augustine said this. If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe, but yourself. Sound doctrine gives us the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Lesson number five. 
finally, and coming directly out of this text, sound doctrine is the foundation and fuel for the Christian life. You say, where'd you get that? Verse 1, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Verse 15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you. I don't see foundation and fuel for the Christian life there. You're right. Because all you're looking at is the two Oreo cookies. You're not looking at the good stuff in the middle. Everything between is the icing between the two cookies and the Oreo. And what Paul is telling Titus here is that the reason you need to teach what accords with sound doctrine and declare and exhort and rebuke with it is because sound doctrine is the foundation and the fuel for older men to live godly lives, verse 2. Older women to live out the gospel in community with younger women, verse 3 through 5. Younger men to know how to navigate life and upcoming careers. Oh, and Titus, you too, is one of those younger men, verse 7. Sound doctrine will teach you how to live in all respects. And then every other bond servant, the slaves, the worker class in the church, verse 9 through 10, sound doctrine teaches you how to live out your faith at work. Why? Because the grace of God has appeared. And the grace of God changes everything. The grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us the foundation upon which we can build our lives. That's what Jesus said. You used to sing about it in preschool. Jesus explained that he personally and his gospel, sound doctrine, is the foundation upon which the wise man can build his life. That imagery. He takes us to the beach. We love to go to the beach, right? He takes us to the beach and he says there was a there was a man who built his house on a beach. And guess what? Tides came in, rains fell. There was no foundation. The house came up tumbling down. But there was another one who built on a solid foundation. In fact, it was a rock. And the wise man who built his house on the rock, his house stood the test of time and every wind and rain that tried to prevail against it. I wonder what your life is built on. Here's the words of Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on 
the rock. Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that no one can lay a foundation other than that which has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. What's your hope in life and death? My hope is fixed on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. One of the great catechisms asks this question, what is our only hope in life and death? Here's the answer, that we're not our own, but belong both body and soul, both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. What we've seen this morning are five lessons about the importance of sound doctrine. I don't know what you typically think of when you hear the word doctrine. Maybe just something for really mature Christians or something for seminary professors or something just for big, thick books. But here's what Paul says about sound doctrine. It's the difference between true and false religion. It's remaining faithful to the word of God, more specifically the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the primary multifaceted ministry given to the elders of the church and then in the rest of the New Testament even given to each of us as we counsel and encourage one another. Sound doctrine, you can expect it's going to be challenged. But sound doctrine is the foundation and fuel for the church and every member of it. I hope that you'll value it more than you ever have before. I hope that you'll hold fast to it. My prayer is that you'll study it so that you'll understand it. And I guarantee as you see more of the glory of God in the face of Christ, it will become more valuable and more beautiful to you with every new chapter. And I hope that you will build your life on it. So I want to answer one question before we leave. And that is a very practical question maybe for every person in the room. If sound doctrine is this important, then how can I grow in it? It's not as hard as you might think. In fact, I brought some resources. Over the years, good men and women have written resources so that we can increase in our understanding of sound doctrine. Some of them are called confessions. Here in our church, we use um, a confession called the New Hampshire Baptist Faith in New Hampshire Baptist Faith. No, Confession of Faith. There you go. New Hampshire Baptist Confession of Faith. Thank you. Um, it's a beautiful document. You, you can print it out very easily, but here's a good copy of it. Uh, it comes from, actually, this one 
it's called the Baptist Faith of, of 1689. We have a group of men who, uh, during the school year, get together for breakfast on Thursday mornings, and we're going through this 1689 confession. Ours is kind of like a, a daughter of this one, but boy, this is just an exposition of doctrine, sound doctrine. You read these things, and it just takes you deeper in the faith. From these confessions were often written what are called catechisms. This is the Heidelberg Catechism. I actually have two of these in this cool little edition right over there. I'd be happy to give you one if if you would like one. The catechism asks questions and then gives answers, like that one that I read earlier. What is your only hope in life and death? And then it'll give a, a short, memorable answer. And you could either just read through this or you could begin to memorize them. That will help you to grow in sound doctrine. And then uh, recently, um, this was published, the New City Catechism for Kids. We have multiple copies of this downstairs on our resource center for free. What sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? Answer, one who's truly human and also truly God great. If you like reading, whether you want to go big with John Frame or Wayne Grudem or somebody like that, or whether you want to go maybe on a kid's level, theology, theology, ancient truths ever new. Moms and dads, you can teach your kids sound doctrine as you Spend time before they go to bed every night or maybe over dinner. Sound doctrine is the lifeblood of every healthy church and every healthy Christian. My prayer is that you will live out the faith in accordance with sound doctrine. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what that lives like, uh, what that life looks like. Right? Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you very much, first of all, for your word, which reveals who you are, who we are, and how we should live. And I thank you that you did not just reveal who we are as sinners and then leave us like that. But your greatest revelation is in the person and work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation of your grace and truth lived out. God became man. We want to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and I pray that you would cause every one of us to dig deeper so that we can see the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we see Christ, that you would change us from the inside out so that our lives would reflect like a mirror the glory of Jesus in our homes and in our workplaces, and in our schools. Do this for your glory here in Winchester and around the world. Do this for our joy. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.